Hey, my name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and your fellow trauma nerd. Welcome to part two of my chat with Jill Miller on the Polyvagal Podcast. Um, let's see here. I want to make sure I cover the sub, the submissions that we got from followers. Um, Great. There, there were some really good ones. But there, in your email to me, there was a couple of phrases that really stuck out to me that I'm hoping we can address real quick and then get to the the submissions okay you said uh yoga versus yoga therapy ah yeah what is that um yeah so in terms of credentialing uh i am a yoga therapist so there's an organization called the international association of yoga therapists and yoga therapy is is where i would say the kind of clinical nerds gather (laughs) to use the application of yoga um, to help people with different conditions Interesting. In, in, in collaboration with other, other teams and so on. Um, so I will, I will read you the actual definition so that I am word by word accurate uh, according to IAYT. So yoga therapy is the process of empowering individuals to progress towards improved health and well-being through the applications of the teachings and practices of yoga. Um, so it is, you know, these are the people that are, that are often, um, they're doing intake um, and trying to really manage their, the scope because we're not diagnosticians. Um, we are there to really give holistic support. Um, so there, you know, we might be working with somebody, again, who is in, um, end of life or, you know, chronic pain or, uh, within chemo, it's like, you're not going to have somebody, all right, now let's do your sun salutations. You know, you have to, to figure out the, um, correct mode of application for people, um, in a variety of different, you know, conditions and circumstances. Uh, I would say that the, you know, the yoga therapy movement is much smaller than the yoga, you know, the business of yoga and the yoga movement in general. Um, and so I just want to distinct, distinguish that um, the credentialing for yoga therapy is many, 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 is like a thousand hours compared to you can be a yoga teacher in 200 hours. So I think the minimum for yoga therapy is a thousand. And, um, and I, I think it just gets a little bit, a lot more interesting in terms of um, becoming familiar with disease and, um, and that sort of thing. My, my dad was a doctor, so it's hard for me to not kind of always go for the more and more um, education yeah, type yeah, of yeah. pursuit. It's just in my in my nature to always want to know more. And when I attended a, a yoga therapy conference many years ago, I was like, ah, these are my people. Um, it was, I was, because it, it wasn't all about practicing asana and um, looking good on the mat, which I think the, <laughs> which is what your impression is of yoga Instagram. on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone is looking, if they're, if they're sick and tired of being stuck and shut down, talk therapy isn't their thing. They've tried medication. That's not their thing. But they're like, you know what? This yoga thing is, I'm really curious about this. Should they just go to the local yogi or should they look up someone who is a yoga therapist who can really, it sounds like really tailor yes, yoga. I would, I would definitely look, um, you know, they could take a look at that IAYT site. I also made a very long list of trauma-informed yoga um, oh, schools. Cool. It's one of the things I wanted to make sure that I mentioned to you is that, you know, the yoga space, because, you know, 
there are, I think many people who teach yoga are just, they're service oriented and um, yoga in and of itself really leads itself to helping ease pain and suffering for all types of, of humans. And so this is a way to bring relief and aid work into marginalized communities, into prisons, um, uh, red light districts. I mean, I, I mean, I could talk to you for an hour just about the different people within our, within you know, my teaching community and the yoga tune-up community that, that do aid work and relief work like this. So there are many trauma-informed um, people out there. I think some are using polyvagal-informed practices more than others, but I couldn't, I couldn't detail what, what that is because I don't know all of the different communities. But there's some really, I would say, some really noble, amazing uh, work being done out there by the trauma-informed community in you know, subset yoga. Thank you. I'm learning a ton. I told you I was going to learn a ton from this. That that was incredible. I, I had no idea. <laughs> One more question from me, and then I'll get to the follower ones. Um, you said that yoga is a means to find solace while also being a way to hide and isolate, and that seems like a very different... Kid, is that too big of a topic to go into? Oh, boy. Um, I think that... Well, I, I do think that there is uh, there's a time and a place for uh, that sort of germination of uh, sort of isolating practice and um, sort of sharpening the sword. But, it, you know, eventually, and I think this is very personal for me because I definitely was one of those people that, um, you know, like wanted to just be in yoga community and only felt kinship with those people that were doing, you know, two hours of meditation a day and, you know, chanting in a certain way and it kind of gets a little cultish. And uh, being able to identify that I'd gone down that rabbit hole and wasn't really able to see the rest of the world as uh, as friendly. And uh, so I think that there can be some aspects of that um, within certain yoga communities, but I'm sure that's uh, that's not isolated to yoga alone. But um, the, there's a lot of I'll just I'll just mention a resource. Matthew Remsky wrote a book. Oh gosh, I can't believe I can't remember the title of his book. Um, but it it is about that. It, it follows a few different people who fall, you know, sort of fell into the well of believing their teachers, believing in the promise of yoga, um, and then becoming compromised. You know, sort of giving giving over their uh, their their self. Uh, um, Giving over themselves, like all parts of themselves, um, sexually, financially, yeah. So there is a legacy of that in um, in the yoga community. And I, you know, it's funny because my grandfather, when I was finishing college, I remember my grandfather saying to me, um, "Jill, I want you to, I want you to cut your hair and um, get a briefcase and 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 get out of that cult." <laughs> And like I was so, I was like, you don't know yoga, Grandpa. But I think he was onto something. Like, might have been, yeah. yeah. Might have been onto something. Uh, now this, my mind goes to a trauma survivor who, who, their red flags might be compromised. Their ability to recognize a safe 100%. nervous system may be compromised. How does someone differentiate between what you're talking about, which is a cold, and someone who's actually safe and doing proper yoga work? Well. I don't know if my wording uh, is appropriate, this, this but is, it's the best well, I can do. No, I, I was not in a cult. Let me just say okay. I was not in a cult, but I think there are some, yeah. there be some cult-like trappings in yeah, 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 yeah. within different communities. 
And, you know, it feels really right. Like everything feels really right. People are just on the same wavelength with you. And, um, and that was a time for healing, but then there's also have, has to be healing from understanding that, um, I maybe uh, rambling a little bit here. I would refer you to Matthew's book. He is okay. an expert on this, Matthew okay. Rensky. And I'm, I wish I were in my library right now. I could refer you to the book and show it to you. It's a great book. All righty. Probably black down on it because it's so personal. Fair enough. Uh, a lot of people were excited about you uh, chatting with me. Uh, one question is, we kind of answered already how to climb the ladder using yoga. And why does this work? Let's do that. Why, why does this actually work? Uh, okay, so I, I don't think I can probably answer it with the word yoga. Okay. Why does climbing why does climbing the ladder uh, climbing the ladder work? Because um, what I'd rather refer to is more polyvagal um, sort of n- neural exercises, like how Porges talks about neural exercises of breathing, um, chanting, position, um, and connection. You know, you are you know, in the context of different classes, depending on where you're studying, you will be engaging all of your, all of your senses and you're going to be um, probably breathing consistently in a patterned way for almost the entire class in a way that is down-regulating. Um, so the positions themselves, especially if you're doing um, long-held positions that engage your muscles, you're going to be having a sympathetic tone to the muscles while you're, let's say, cooling the flames with this down-regulating breath um, and potentially with with chanting, like depending on how, how they practice, and with um, the mental recitation um, on occasion of, of your sankalpa or some classes will call it an intention. Um, it just depends on the nomenclature of the teacher or the studio. And so um, you'll be like cycling through this concentration exercise um, as you go through different positions that uh, will impact your, your musculature and your physiology. By the end of the class, um, you will have for sure, you know, climbed from dorsal to sympathetic and maintain this really cool titration between dorsal and sympathetic and then an occasional ventral exchange either with the teacher or maybe you're doing a partner exercise with somebody else which is you know really fun and or potentially fun unless you feel threatened by that engagement um, there's usually there's always an opt-out option in, in most classes um, and then in the end you do this long-held you know safe relaxation pose this shavasana pose um, that feels like sleep and is deeply regenerative and then you come up for a closure which is usually an eye-to-eye connection um, or an eye-heart connection with the teacher or with those around you there's this phrase that most teachers use which is um, called namaste you bring your hands together in front of your chest right you've seen this i've heard that i've seen that yeah 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 Yeah. namaste namaste (laughs) um which is uh, the light in me acknowledges the light in you which is quite beautiful it is it is yeah um and you can bring in more physiological elements to that uh, well as far as the how of how yoga helps you listed off a whole bunch of stuff so you it ends on eye contact but gentle eye contact the cue of safety kind of stuff that you've a whole bunch of that going on that you've mentioned already titration so it sounds like doing bits at a time is that accurate yeah i mean your teachers will typically 
give cues of, you know, do this to um, either a number of breaths or that which you feel you can maintain um, joint uh, joint alignment. Uh, you know, I'm a very, because I'm very anatomically based, I typically give a lot of cues about um, joint congruency and joint health so that you're not, you know, holding a pose in a way that will potentially create long-term damage um, by overstressing certain tissues and understressing others. So um, alignment is is something that uh, will will rally your focus. And that is a, um, you know, both an interoceptive and proprioceptive process. Um, uh, what else can I say about how it? Well, so titration, yeah. like a little bit at a time. And uh, then, yes. But just also exercising going up and down the polyvagal ladder and building um, some tolerance or I'm sorry, resilience to being able to go back up to it. Mm -hmm. and, um, is that, is that all kind of also kind of what you're saying here? Like you're practicing going up and down the ladder, right? Uh, yeah. And I think there's these moments of where the, the, the gas is really accelerated, depending on the, depending on the, the class you're in. So there might be parts of the class that are extremely upregulating, um, and, uh, exhilarating and thrilling. And then after that would be met, by a breath practice or a position that literally cools. So you'd have this yin and yang, you'd have this, the ha, the tha, the sun, the moon, the contrasts again and again. So I think in the nature of yoga um, practices, you, you have these uh, oppositional forces that you're, you're working with at all times, but hopefully constructed in a way that feels you know, achievable or attainable by anybody in the class. Um, uh, but also a little bit aspirational, like it's, you know, it's exciting to be able to hold the pose for one more breath or to um, let let go of even one more um, motor neuron or motor unit. So there's also the this sense of accomplishment and success and, and to be in yes. a group and to yes. be, wow, yeah, this is just yes. tons of ways to climb the ladder. It sounds like just, yes. I'm, and I'm, I hate to say just through yoga, but there's so many components you're saying. Yeah. And then praise from the teacher, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, not that that's what people are in there for. Um, you know, in my classes, the, for me, the, the wins for the students are that they are now sensing a connection, between um, different parts of their body that were, uh, that were asleep before, you know, where they maybe felt lost in the dark and, and didn't know that there were connections between their rib cage and their shoulder, or didn't know there was a rib connection between the pelvic floor and their feet, um, or didn't realize they were, they were breathing more into the right side, their right lungs instead of their left lungs, or, you know, things like that. that. I think that was a pretty thorough answer. Like, there's a lot to helping someone come up the polyvagal ladder through their, through yoga. Oh yeah. And there's, I think you can also look at yoga research and get research through the yoga therapy, uh, website. There's much research. They present a journal every month or excuse me, every quarter that has some significant research. Um, that's where I believe the first time Marlisa's paper was published, um, in the journal. And now it's in a book about pain science and Porges is in that book you know, in that same, in that same paper. So you brought up uh, Dr. Porges. Someone actually asked, is there any chance you and him may collaborate on something in the future? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this would be my greatest 
wish fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Like stars are in my eyes. So I had this, uh, really amazing opportunity through uh, an organization I'm a member of. It's uh, USABP.org. It's the United States Association of Body Psychotherapists, uh, or Body Psychotherapy, rather. And it's headed up by a colleague of mine, Dr. Christopher Walling, who was a student of mine for years. He's gone through all my trainings and is the person that introduced me to Porges' work uh, almost five years ago, right? Uh, four and a half, five years ago. Um, and so USABP is an organization that welcomes anybody who is a body-based uh, therapist, and they also have a movement therapist um, membership. And so as a yoga therapist, I fit into that movement therapy realm. And so I joined the organization, and then they had their um, biannual conference last November near Santa Barbara, and they did a call for presentations. And so that caught my eye and I knew that Porges was going to be headlining along with Alan Shore. And I was like, I'm going to pitch, I'm going to pitch a workshop and see, you know, see what happens. And to my great thrill, I was selected to present a workshop on diaphragm dynamics, um, which is just one of my favorite topics to talk about. I can talk about breath for a long time, as you can tell. Um, and so I got to present that workshop there and, uh, I would have gone even if I hadn't been invited to present. And just to say that I was presenting at a conference where Porges was. So I got to see Porges present and I sat directly behind him. Ooh. <laughs> I got I sat directly behind him when he came yeah. off the stage and his back was hurting. Like he was when he was presenting, all of a sudden he like kind of like buckled and he grabbed his back. And this is a room of whatever, three hundred or four hundred body therapists, and everyone's like, <gasps> You know, and like everybody, not everybody, but like I'm sure so many of us wanted to rush the stage and be like, let me help you with your quadratus lumborum <laughs> and your, your psoas or whatever's going on there. This is my favorite story to tell Justin. So he, he sat in front of me after the session and I just so happened to have an extra um, gorgeous ball, it's called gorgeous, that we use as a biofeedback for breathing and respiration and visceral massage. But it's great for back support when you're sitting, especially in those theater seats, which are so miserable. I said, Dr. Porges, just put this behind your back for some support. And so he was like, oh, thank you very much. And so he puts it behind his back. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's touching the ball. (laughs) And, you know, he's leaning there and you can see him kind of like shifting a little bit. And after about 15 minutes, he takes it out and then um, he just puts it on his knee and then he squeezes it. For the next 20 minutes, you know, well, I think it was Alan Shore was up there. So just for sensory feedback, like he was just sort of manipulating it and squinching it and fidgeting with it. And then after the talk, he gave it back to me. And I was like, oh, no, don't give it back to me. Like I wanted him to have it. So then um, I like this is the longest story ever. So then I, I scratched out the gorgeous and I wrote ahead, um, you know, permanent marker and I wrote gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. On it, right? Instead of a gorgeous ball, it's a gorgeous ball. And then I gave it to him during the book signing. Oh, that's awesome. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know if he uses it, but, um, but that's my, that's my, my wait, my, why did my you portion. have the ball on you? Because I was teaching with them. That's what I, when I taught the diaphragm dynamic workshop, I used that tool to help people. With, but you had everything with you in the theater seating? Oh, because I was using it myself in the theater seating. Because the theater seating <laughs> is so, like, I can't stand those theater perfect, seats. Yeah. So I'm, 
like I said, I'm very sympathetically attuned. So <laughs> I like to have fidgets too. I like to yes. fidget and that's kind of a subtle fidget and it's supportive. Um, but Chris actually, he, uh, he's the head of USABP. He actually teaches a yoga therapy, excuse me, a traumatic, uh, he teaches as part of, uh, it's an institute in New York city, Prima yoga Institute. He teaches the trauma informed um, segment, yoga trauma-informed segment of that teacher training. And he is also part of the board with, um, with Sue and with Sue Carter and Borges of the Kinsey Institute Traumatic Stress Research Consortium. So he's very involved with Porges. I mean, they are, they are, they are close friends. So, you know, am I doing anything with Porges? Not that I know of, but I know people who are. How's that? Yeah, hey, that's a step closer, right? <laughs> that's a step closer. All right. Okay, yeah. this one, oh boy, I'm, I'm kind of worried about asking you about this because I, I, I could tell how much you love going way in depth into the body stuff, right? How connected is our fascia to our vagus nerve and ANS, autonomic nervous system? How connected is our fascia? Fa- so, thank yeah, you. So, fascia. So, God, this is like, thank you for asking me this question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, it's like, I just want to pitch a course now because that's what we deal with in my breath and bliss immersion. Okay, so directly and indirectly, your your fascial tissues are totally helping you with ANS regulation. Wait, what is that? Let's make sure everyone understands. Oh, what are we talking oh, about here? Autonomic nervous system. So autonomic. No, no, no. The, the fascial system. tissues. Oh, fascia. Yeah. Ah, so your fascia is your seam system. It is the it is the collagen based web that it gives you your form and your shape. It is the tissue that surrounds and supports every single structure in your body. So every single muscle cell you have is wrapped in fascial tissues, every single bundle of muscle cells. So your tendons are a fascial tissue. Your ligaments are a fascial tissue. Um, just beneath your skin, you, you've had fascia since you were 50 cells old. It's made out of the endoderm. So I, uh, your fascial tissue is the thing that interconnects everything. And so when you, you know, when you get a massage, you're mobilizing your fascial tissues. When you move, your fascia moves with you. I mean, you're, you, you've always had your fascia and it is what allows for differential movement. You know your fascia is problematic when it over stiffens and you can't move well. For example, a scar is an agglomeration of an overabundance of fascia that has reseamed that area that was um, injured or that was traumatized by a knife or an accident, right? So your, your fascial tissues are a repair system. They are also a high sensing system. So your fascial tissues are loaded with different sensory nerve endings. Um, and there are different sensory nerve endings that I could list for you, but it will probably put you to sleep and some of your listeners. But when these sensory nerve endings are stimulated through touch or massage or specific um, angles of pressure, it dampens sympathetic outflow. So um, you can quickly change state through pressure changes, you know, by using tools or by using objects. You know, I use I use my tools. I use soft rubber balls um, that affect state change, especially by going by compounding different um, parasympathetic features. So here's where we get to the the vagus window. So there are many different vagal windows that, you know, I'm not going to avoid, you're not going to like get to your vagus like directly without touching fascia on the way. 
Um, but by doing um, massage on, oh, sorry, I was reaching for a ball and it rolled away from me. By doing massage, let's say on our, our ventral vagal um, facial muscles, right? So we've got muscles around the eye, ober, ocularis, oculi. You've got um, um, the, the ones right here at your nose, your rabbit muscles, the levator labii, superioria, like we nausea. You've got procerus. You've got corrugator. You've got masseter. Uh, you've got more muscles Lots than I'm going to yeah. on your podcast. Right. <laughs> so by doing massage, so I can either use therapy balls or I can just use my my hands, and I can do the you know gentle chubby cheeks dance. By the um, way, or, if, if people are listening to this, you're you're missing out. Go to the oh. YouTube video. <laughs> Please don't. Please. I'm giving myself a fascia facial. Uh, let's face it, it's really interesting. Um, so, uh, and I would say you would want to actually apply relatively deep, tolerable touch. And that what that massage will do is it will trigger pressure reflexes that are gathering information in that source nuclei, that ventral vagal pathway, and it's deeply relaxing. So you can immediately have a state change. And, and you know, you can do this with your fingers at your desk. Right. Um, Is the face then, kind of the, the best place for that? Um, it's one of the best places. So I'll, I'll give you the three different best places, and then I'll send you a video that I made called Vegas Voyage okay. that um, uh, is a great demonstration of the three different intermingled zones of respiration meets meets vagus nerve, but also meets um, fascial manipulation. So then the neck is the other next best place. And this, you can massage the carotid sheath with um, light to deep pressure using something like cordless ball or even your hand by applying pressure to the side of your neck, just alongside the gullet, alongside your um, the tubes and rotating your head in the opposite direction, or you can use the cordless ball. And like, like I said, I'll send you that video, which has got a you know YouTube link. And so we call this neck anew. And so you twist the ball against the neck and you rotate your head in the opposite direction. And what that will do is it'll apply pressure to the carotid sheath. So your vagus is traveling right in there. And that's another way. It's like the, you know, the Vulcan, I don't like to say, but the Vulcan death grip, right? So this is, by the way, you're not going to pass out. I've never had anybody be knocked unconscious or have. Oh, yeah. They say that about the Vegas. No, you're not going to. If you're applying this to one at a time. Or if you're nervous about that, you can do it in a recline. You can lay down and do it. So um, that would be a fascial manipulation that also involves pressure into the vagus, and it's going to affect your autonomic nervous system. But, but note, this is going to bring you into downregulation. This is not um, right. So this is amplifying the vagal break. So it's going to slow down your heart rate. It's going to slow down your breath pace. And then the next, the next thing you can do is um, do uh, apply pressure to the rib cage and chest. Is that the third area? This would be so. First, we had so we had two for ventral. We had the actual face and we had the neck. So that would be a ventral vagal application. So then, in the sympathetic um, application, you can either lay um, face down on something like the cordless ball, or lay um, face down on a rolled up um, towel or a um, a firm pillow. That's going to because you want to have a little bit of feedback. If it's one of those like really, it's like the you know that bad polyester fill that just collapses. You need to have something that actually gives you pressure back. Um, or you can lay on your side. Uh, you could do this with a, a yoga bolster, a rolled up blanket, and then you would 
deliberately breathe into the thorax so that your ribs move. Uh, and then you can also do some little swish swish movements or little rocking or twisting movements, um, which can also induce, um, you know, a rocking movement, these rocking movements. Again, these are another way of inducing, um, a vagal relaxation response coupled with the breath coupled with the pressure on the, on the rib cage, but it's also manipulating their connective tissues, your fascial tissues. And then the last thing would be to go into the gut zone. Um, into the abdomen, and you can do this by laying on your side. Again, I'll send you um, the video, um, or laying directly on your abdomen. I don't recommend that for people if they've never done visceral massage, but laying on your side with the ball or with like, that same rolled up towel or um, pillow, and then doing breathing, and then followed by gentle movements that create a, an amount of, so the, the way we are um, uh, affecting multiple layers of fascia is we want to create a little bit of shear. So a little bit of tangential, um, uh, um, uh, stretch. So you're trying to stretch and traction the tissues, but not in an aggressive way. It's a very gentle thing. And it just feels like, um, pleasant, uh, you know, pleasant warmth in the tissue. So this is a way that, uh, I hope I'm, I'm answering, um, I, you totally question. are. And I, I keep thinking about massage, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm putting pieces together. All right. <laughs> All right. That, that was, that was fantastic. Thank you. Okay. How do you use the tune up balls for somatic healing? And before that, what are tune up balls? Oh, uh, they're talking about the yoga tune up ball. So this is a yoga tune up ball. It's a small, um, pliable, grippy ball that takes a hold of the skin and creates a tremendous amount of tissue shear. There's three different sizes of the solid rubber ball. And then there's, um, the air filled ball. And these are so, all things that, that you have for sale. Like these are your yeah, products. This is, oh, my, yeah, right. this is my business this is my products. We train people to use these. Um, you know, and like I was mentioning, we have so many people that use these in, in communities that are, um, that are in need of trauma healing. And, um, yes. So, uh, I personally don't interface directly with, um, in the trauma space. So I teach people how to use these tools and I let the clinicians and the therapists and the counselors interpret it for best use. So, um, you know, I teach best practices that um, will inform physiology and anatomy. And then I leave it to my my fellow emotional, uh, the emotional support through to, um, you know, do best practices. Like, for example, uh, we've trained many people from the Wounded Warrior Project um, and specifically Project, Project Odyssey um, to do these practices. I don't actually know what they do in their classrooms or with their groups. We've trained them in our trainings, and then we give them, we give all of our teachers um, the tools and um, modes of adjusting context so that they can meet their communities because I don't know the lingo of that community and they're going to best know how to attune to these different uh, worlds. So I think that's um, that would be my best. Uh, well, and you've idea. already you've already mentioned and you showed us a number of ways of using the balls with, right? Like you've, yes. is that you've already kind of showed us and described ways to use these. If I'm getting yes. that right, yeah. okay. There are just there are thousands of ways, and um, I've got you know we've got so many videos, lots of free stuff online. People can go to my Instagram feed and they can just feast for months on, on videos that I put out for free and then they can pay for stuff too. 
All right, so let's. Well, there's a few more. We'll just pick up the pace a little bit. If, if and I think you can handle it because your 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 home away from home seems to be sympathetic. So I think you'll be all right. Uh, how can we? How can we start listening to our body? What would be the first step that you might say? Like, let, let's start here. Ah, uh, yes. So the the first thing is definitely the breath. Is is breathing? Is reclining typically? And then watching the way your body breathes. And the reason I say reclining oh, is because the recline already gives me a physiological preset. So as soon as I'm upright, I'm sympathetic because I have my postural muscles are engaged to support me. And so if I want to um, be able to not challenge my diaphragm, so when you're upright, there is a postural component to your diaphragm, but when you, when you recline, there is no postural tension and the tension on your heart is gone. Um, and so first thing is helping people get comfortable being in that recline. And so I can support them in, in the recline in many different ways. Um, and then giving them some cues to help them, to help them um, maneuver their breath. I usually then will uh, use a tool to help them connect to their breath. Um, and when I say tool, I'll use a ball, I'll use the gorgeous ball or a different yoga tuna ball. Another thing to help people, and I think what you're really talking about is is in is interoception. How do I help them to amplify their interoceptive awareness? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. So a second thing that um, I I like to do is have people become aware of their pulse because I think if you become aware of your pulse, um, you can really entrain yourself to watch that homeostatic interplay of respiration and and heartbeat it's so you know we're not going to get to go to the hospital and check our hrv um, but this gives you this is your ipad like this is your eye knowledge like this is you knowing you and so we do something called i call it the okay mudra it's a connection of the thumb and the index finger so in in yoga this would actually be called janana mudra but I try to I expunge a lot of Sanskrit so I don't freak out you know my that. athletes or I need that, yeah. you know my gym members um, <laughs> but it's just a soft touch and um, what I'll have them do is just concentrate on feeling the pulse in their fingers and this is something you have to get very quiet just to feel and then we'll do breath patterns based on your your pulse so you'll like inhale for four heartbeats hold for two exhale for six heart six heartbeats hold for two so you'll start to um, so together already a connection between respiration and heartbeat, but you're not using like an external counter. You're using an internal counter, which is, um, which is governed by your vagus. You know, who knows how exciting is that? Right. Extremely. It's very vagal. <laughs> so that's why I like it. <laughs> uh, pranayama yoga. What poor just talks about that. Um, yeah. what is that? Oh, so pranayama would be, exercises that challenge your respiration thresholds um, and go into the gray zone. So um, what I was talking about at the very beginning, we were talking about this wave of breath. You have your inhale, you have that suspension phase, you have the exhale, you have the vacation phase. So you have the four parts of breath. Pranayama is going to challenge the ratios in all four of those, but it's going to also challenge it um, in different positions. Um, it's going to challenge it with different awareness exercises. It's going to, and when I say positions, it could be, um, different types of sitting positions. Um, it could be, uh, different incline positions. So I could have an incline position where my, my pelvis is higher than my heart. Um, which is the, the head's the lowest thing. 
the word pranayama actually means energy extension. So pranayama yoga, it's going to be a breath exercise, like when you, it's a breath strategy exercise, but really it's about challenging the threshold of your autonomic tolerance to both upregulation and downregulation given different elaborate and simple breathing patterns. They can also be done with different um, plugs of the nose. So you, a lot of times um, you'll see people with their fingers on their nose um, or, uh, or fingers touching different sort of ventral vagal features, which is very interesting. You'll also see people doing um, uh, really interesting and elaborate things with their diaphragm. This is something I love to teach. I'm about to teach a four-day course on it uh, this week. Um, things called Uddiyana Bandha or Nali Kriya, things that challenge the respiratory diaphragm to... Um, uh, tolerate different pressures and to tolerate different uh, durations of breath, breathing and breath holding. So that would be pranayama yoga. It's a whole, I mean, there's so much I'm to sure. it. And you should find a teacher that teaches pranayama for sure. Okay. I, I'm, it sounds like there's a lot that goes into yoga that is well beyond <laughs> what we see on Instagram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in much more depth. Well, thank you so much for your time. What what do you what do you have coming up? What do, what should people know about where you're headed or what you're doing? Um, well, I I have eight different teacher training programs that I created that are all a part of my company, which is Tune Up Fitness Worldwide. And my I just put my schedule up uh, last week for 2020, but new events are coming up all the time. As for this year, um, I'm sure this won't come out this week. Um, but I do have one more breath, one more, what, 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 one more course that is entirely that uses polyvagal theory as its lens through each day on day one, we're a dorsal vagal on day two, we're in sympathetic on day three, we're ventral. And that's called the breath and bliss immersion. And it's really my, my neural, neural respiration course and, um, leadership in helping people create recovery strategies that are novel and that are interesting and that keeps people's attention no matter whether they come from the professional athlete space or whether they're in chronic pain. So it's a really interesting course and we usually have a few um, psychotherapists uh, or clinical you know, social workers, people from your space in there um, to you because they love these practices for, um, for their face-to-face clinical practice. When is that coming up? That's November 8th through 10th. Yeah, so that's my final event of the year. And right now I'm in production with um, doing a a program with Tom Myers. So you asked about fascia. Tom Myers is like the godfather of fascia. He created the anatomy trains. Um, He's an amazing um, uh, hands-on therapist and has a tremendous community worldwide that is, you know, therapeutically oriented. And um, the functional movement map is basically based on his work. And so we're doing a collaboration on rolling through the anatomy trains uh, along with, um, yeah, that. And then I'm doing a program with my friend Katie Bowman of Nutritious Movement. And that'll be out. Those will both be out at the end of or the middle of next year. Boy, am I sympathetic or what? Do you ever slow down? I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you have moments where you really slow down a lot? Well, you do. You do. Oh yeah. But you know, I'm a, I'm the performer type. So you put a microphone in front of me and I, I just start to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so people can go to your website to find out about all the stuff coming up. You said you have a calendar. Is it on the website? 
Yes. Yeah. We have about 500 teachers worldwide that teach the work. So you can find yoga tune-up teachers in Japan and Mexico, Canada, Croatia, England. Um, oh, actually, no, I will be in London. I'll be in London in December, in December to teach role model training. So yeah, we have a really big network worldwide of, of uh, teachers. And we do have uh, many trauma-informed educators that work within um, within our methods. And so you can find them on the website and you can find me on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah, and you're, I, I love, I went to your Instagram today and I, I didn't see a single picture of you posing in front of a beautiful location. It's just like you interacting with people, teaching. There's, you, you have pictures of like the Vegas and it's just like a lot of, like it seems like you're really putting the work in and it's not about the image of yoga. It's just the work. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I did put that bikini shot out because I wanted to show my scar. It's kind of embarrassing that you put the, that you story that. And it was like, oh, God, that bikini shot. It kind of <laughs> looks like I'm one of those people, doesn't it? In that, but you know what? I, it's like, uh, you know. That's a little different. Yeah. That's a little different. <laughs> but yes, there's a lot of information. I love educating and I like to educate through Instagram. You don't hold back, Instagram. Yeah. No, no, I don't. And I cannot wait to hopefully interface with some of the listeners to help um, elaborate on some of the very skim of the surface polyvagal uh, relationships that are um, so important to access and are so accessible through uh, conscious movement based work. And so I'm thrilled to be on your podcast to at least Thank be you. able to to dingle dingle and get people excited about yoga, yoga therapy, yoga tune up rolling get out there to me this is more than a dingle dingle I, I feel like i learned a ton so thank you so much personally just thank you for that i'm, I'm you, dead serious thank you so much for for being here and allowing my listeners to hear all this incredible information thank you i'm gonna get you to class one of these days justin <laughs> thank you for listening to all of my interview with jill miller i told you from the outset she her level of nerdery is pretty ridiculous and i think she lived up to that my favorite part of this was not only learning a whole bunch about yoga and how it connects to polyvagal theory but specifically about how yoga can be a safe experience for someone who otherwise may not feel safe being still or being with a group uh, i loved how she was able to really specify in detail how she can make yoga a safe experience for for someone through a number of different options. So I thought that was fantastic. Do me a favor, reach out to her and just give her a thank you for being on the Polyvagal Podcast. And if you personally absolutely must have even more Polyvagal Podcast content, there is a member section on justinlmft.com for five bucks a month. You get a whole bunch more content and we are updating that every week at this point. So there's lots of stuff regularly. Thank you again for listening. And Jill Miller, you're incredible. Thank you.